I want to inform you know, I've, I've had to change my word I, I, Dan we discussed this this Sunday about six eight weeks ago and I believe God gave me a word for the Sunday morning and I got up last Sunday morning and I sensed God was telling me to change it I will bring it and I don't want to bring it this morning, mainly because it would be pretty controversial on a certain topic, and I don't want to do that at the moment. I feel restrained in my spirit not to do that, because I think it would be my spirit which would touch you, not the Holy Spirit. And so God laid on my heart another word for this morning, and... Uh, I'm going to take, make you taste something greater. You will not live anymore by what has been, but rather what will be. The excitement of what you experience will increase the expectation of the display of my power. You will dare stepping out in faith more and more, and you won't be disappointed, for my word in your mouth will not fail you. You will be in awe of my power and your worship will gain greater weight and substance to it. People will come to revere me and repent as they see me in my glory. Hallelujah. Uh, let's go to Mark chapter 4 if we would incredibly well-known passage of scripture and that becomes the problem immediately I was drawn to this scripture my head kicked in I knew all I've preached it I've lost track of the number of times I've preached this scripture this passage of scripture and my head was drawn to my understanding of it and that's not what God wanted what God wanted is what he could speak to me about this scripture in relationship also to this church. But it's quite, quite a daunting task this morning. I'm excited by it, but I'm daunted by it. Because I know, well, I won't wander anymore. Uh, Mark chapter 4 that out the way else I'd end up preaching that. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, why do you not care that we are perishing? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And said to the... Uh, yeah, sorry... See, peace be still, and the wind de decreased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? 
How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? I was stumbling over the reading. I've got so many notes crammed into my Bible. And it's all in yellow, and it's getting difficult to read anymore. (laughs) The byproduct of of years. My Bible, this Bible's 30-odd, 35 years old now. Bits of it are falling out. It's a bit like me. But I'm determined to see it through. Amen. In Corinthians, it tells us this. One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is the discerning of spirits. The discerning of spirits. Now, that's twofold. Discerning of spirits, that can be, and, and as a leader, I, I honestly believe every leader should be moving in some degree in this gift. Has to have this gift. Now, discerning of spirits is twofold. One is, yes, demonic spirits, discerning. The other is discerning the spirit of the person that you come into contact with. You need to know, not the person, but the spirit of the person you come into contact with. Because without that, you'll go down a side street, you'll get distracted, deceived, taken in by what they're saying, and not knowing the spirit that is working through them. It could be their own spirit. It could be a demonic spirit working through them. It is a wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit because it saves incredible pastoral time. The number of times that I've sat with people and said nothing, which is quite rare for me, and sat there thinking that it isn't what they're saying, it's what's operating through them. And then you can deal with the source Unless you deal with the source, you'll just spend hours and hours and hours and hours with the same person going over the same topic day in, day out, week in, week out. You have to know what is operating through or influencing that particular person. Now, when Jesus got in the boat, He changed the destiny of all the disciples. He changed their destiny, but they didn't know it at that moment of time. When you and I got saved, Jesus came into our boat, this body, and he came with a destiny, a purpose. And I'm not just talking about heaven now. There is a purpose over your life. But when we first get saved, we're rejoicing rightly so that our sin is forgiven. He's given us new life. And at the beginning, he never reveals, or very rarely ever reveals that destiny. It's called walking the walk. And along the walk, he will reveal what he wants to do through you. And with you. Amen? Amen. 
Yes. Now, you're going to be switched on, mentally prepared. What do I mean by that? Now, I am, do not, I do not preach demonic spirits everywhere. No. No. I'll pick up on something when Wendy said on Wednesday evening. I, I had no idea she was going to say it, and whether it was spontaneous. I think it might have been spontaneous. And she included me. She said, you, Rob believes it is well, before she said what it was. And I'm sat on my seat thinking, do I? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I absolutely did. It was safe. But it's one of those where you go, what's coming? <laughs> and she said this. We cannot take on Satan. not scripture we can take on the works of satan we have authority over the works of satan but we do not have authority over satan himself only jesus does do not bring a railing accusation against him because i believe when we if we do that you are opening up yourself to some form of spiritual oppression, possession. He's more powerful than you are. We have authority over the works of the enemy. When Satan tries to step into your life, we rebuke him through the name of Jesus. And, he, and we submit to God. We submit to God's word at that moment of time. And in submitting to his word, the Satan has to flee from us. He cannot stay around the word. But we do not have authority to take him on personally. It's a dangerous game. Do not bring a railing accusation. What's that scripture in Jeremiah you came out with? trying to think. I don't want to quote it because I'll probably quote it wrong. No, I'm waiting for you. It was Jeremiah, wasn't it? About Satan. <coughs> oh, yeah, um, a lot of notes, Rob. Oh, no. <laughs> All good stuff. Can't see nothing. All right, we'll come. How do we overcome him also? We overcome him? Zachariah. Zachariah. I knew it was an Isaiah. An Isaiah. <laughs> What's an Isaiah between friends? It tells us that the Lord who rebukes, it tells us it's the Lord who rebukes Satan. Yeah. The one you met? Yeah. Yeah. Not us. No. The Lord rebukes. Shade it out. Not us. <laughs> the Lord rebukes Satan. And it's actually referenced again in Revelation. It's the Lord rebukes Satan. 
Amen. How do we overcome him? By the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony, and not living, here comes the big one, not living our lives unto death. Blood of the Lamb, I will throw this one in, because there's false teaching around the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. The blood of Jesus Christ is our protection against the wrath of the Father. The name of Jesus is what you call upon in time of trouble or need of help. The blood of Jesus is not for that at all. The blood of Jesus was put on the lintels in the Old Testament to keep the angel of the Lord, the death angel that God sent, away from the houses where the blood was on the lintel. You cannot put the blood on the lintel of your house. You can't do that. The blood of Jesus has cleansed you. It will never lose its power to do just that. Right into eternity. The blood is what satisfies the Father. When he saw the blood, you're free. Don't use it for anything else because you're going to come up short somewhere. So we've got to be mentally prepared for a spiritual attack. That's not seeing demons under the bed. It's not seeing demons everywhere. I don't care where they are. I know what the, when they manifest themselves, we just deal with them. Last One of the last episodes we have is we were on holiday last year in France. And uh, I'm just walking around. There's not kids in as they're now. Waking up in the middle of the noise in this French... Uh, what's it? Being, being something, is it? These house, Airbnb, I don't know what an Airbnb is, I have no idea. It's just a house we rented. Is it? It's a house, yeah, I know, it's a house we rented. They go, we've rented an Airbnb. What, what, when you say we've rented a house? Come on, keep it simple for people like me. I didn't know what to expect when I was, you know, Dave, my son Dave was talking about it and my son-in-law was talking about it. You know, we rented an Airbnb. Well, so what? What does it mean? And when I try this, well, we're just going to France and we've rented a house. Well, why don't you say that? Keep it simple. And we were having disturbed nights. There was bangings in the house, bangings on the wall. And one night, the television audit came on full volume at 3 o'clock in the morning. And in the end, I thought, I've had enough of this, in Jesus' name. So I went around the house in every room and cast out what needed to be cast out. I had wonderful sleep after that. I'm not tolerating it, in Jesus' name. But you've got to be mentally switched on. Mentally switched on. New Testament tells us that we are not ignorant of his schemings. The enemy's schemings. He's a schemer. He has a set of ploys already set up that he's trying to bring into your life because there's a reason, and we'll get that towards the end. Jesus is in the boat, and it says uh, they took him along as he was. He was. 
So this is a boat trip. Now, in my mind, it's not a bit like this at all, but in my mind, in my early days as a Christian, I thought, oh, he's just like Tall Point Ferry. Oh. <laughs> he's just going from one side to the other, you know, in the Tall Point Ferry, and it got a bit rough, and the boat started to splat, you know. That's in my early days, but when I researched it through the Greek and opened it up, nothing like that at all. Absolutely nothing. And it says he got into the boat as he was. This was a journey that they all set out on. Did he know what was coming? I think he did. That's my personal opinion. I think he did. And that's why he could go to sleep in the back of the boat. But he's going to come under an incredible attack in the middle of the lake. An absolutely incredible attack. And we'll find out why. We major a lot on the journey. We need to look more into the end of the journey. Most I've preached the journey many times and most people I've, I've listened to and researched all major on the actual journey across what took place. And that's perfectly okay. But why did he set out? Why did he set out? He set out risking, I'll use that word, risking the reaction and the storm on his disciples, he set out, I believe, knowing what was coming. But he's got a risk of relationship with the disciples in that boat. He's going to free, set free a demonic man. On the flip side of that, this demonic man was a important weapon in Satan's kingdom. Because of his actions, this man, this demonic man, he held the whole countryside around him in fear. Nobody could control him. Totally demonized. Totally demonized. Now, it's interesting. In Matthew's gospel, the stories related, talked about. And when they called on Jesus, we get three reactions. Matthew says something, Mark says something, and Luke says something. Matthew calls on the name of the Lord. In Mark's gospel, they call him teacher. And in Luke, they call him master. We've got three descriptions there of Jesus, and he is all three. So it doesn't matter how you see, whether you see yourself in a storm and God's trying to teach you something. It, yes, he is. You see yourself in a storm and you want to know that he's Lord over everything. 
and then you want to you can be in this in a storm but you need to know that there's a master one who can control your destiny and your purpose and the direction in which he has told you to go it depends it'll be different at different sets in your spiritual walk this guy this demonic man was legendary his reputation was right through the area the devil knew, Satan knew, that if he, if Jesus crossed over, and I believe he even considered this, if I allow this boatload of disciples with Jesus to get to the other side, not only am I going to lose my demonic man, my main weapon, but I'm going to see a group of men who are going to rise up in Jesus' name and start doing the same events wherever they meet it. So I'm going to put a stop to it. I'm going to put a stop to this Jesus. And I'm going to put a stop to his disciples. I'm not going to lose my most important weapon. And what's his most important weapon? Fear. Fear. That's why I think it's in Timothy. Timothy says, We have not been given the spirit of fear, but of love, a sound mind, and peace. When you're operating under a spirit of fear, your mind's gone. It's, it's everywhere. You're just so gripped by that fear. And the, he goes on to say that fear brings torment. That's the work of the enemy. Fear when we allow when we allow ourselves. Okay? Can only operate because you give it space. Fear can only operate in your life because you have created the room for that to happen. He's not going to lose his prized asset. Jesus knows differently. It says there arose, verse 37, there arose a great wind storm. This is not a normal storm. It's unexpected. They'd set out. The disciples had no one. They were experienced sailors, most of them fishermen. They didn't set out knowing a storm was coming. They wouldn't have done that. So the disciples are ignorant. I think Jesus knows what's happening. And a windstorm comes. Now the phrase, there arose, in the Greek there the means this. Something totally unexpected there arose something totally that was not on the disciples' agenda at all before they set out. It wasn't going to happen. They would have looked at the sky, waded up. They knew the lake. They knew the lake was susceptible to squalls. That's not Indian women. <laughs> they knew the lake was susceptible to storms. 
But they looked around and their experience told them, not a problem tonight, we can get over there. Yeah. We can get to Tall Point. We used to live in Tall Point. We used to live in Tall Point. Yeah, it's nice there. I loved it. We had to come back. This is something which catches you totally off guard. Something happens which catches them totally off guard. Now, that's okay. It's okay being caught totally off guard, providing you immediately recognize and discern what's happening to you. Jesus is asleep. Now, it was not just a windstorm, a great windstorm, the Greek goes deeper than that. The Greek says it was a mega, mega windstorm. It would have been a windstorm they would have never experienced before in all their years of being fishermen. They have, would have never seen a storm like this. Mega, massive proportions coming at them. Mega winds, but no rain. No rain. That tells me that this was not a normal storm. It wasn't a rainstorm. It was a windstorm of mega proportions. In your life, there's going to be times when a windstorm is going to come down on you. I'm not prophesying, prophesying bad things. I'm preaching reality. I know from experience yeah. a windstorm, many windstorms, come up of nowhere. Now, the word wind there is the word for hurricane, typhoon, hurricane, proportions. And it, they got approximately, shall we say, halfway across. They're sailing away into the night flat calm and suddenly no gentle breeze just picking up getting stronger and stronger one minute it was flat calm the next minute a hurricane hit them in that boat Now they could obviously see the effects and feel the effects of that storm. They could feel the, the effects of the storm as the boat begins to sink. It's being flooded. And I got this metal picture of someone with the name of S that ends in N rubbing his hands. Got them. They're going down. They're going down, and I'm not going to relent on this storm until they're drowned. I want to drown the lot of them. That is very often what kicks into your life, that you have a windstorm come upon you, and the Satan stands back and says, they're going under. But when you call on the name of the Lord, 
In fact, before you call on the name of the Lord, let me tell you what's already happened now because of Jesus underneath of the everlasting arms. I'm unsinkable. I'm unsinkable. Until that day that I go to be with him or he comes for me, whichever. But I'm unsinkable. It may feel like I'm living under a flood, a storm that is wearing upon me, coming upon me. And it's real, and it does. It comes at you, and it comes at you. His name, Satan, devil, is El, el Balo. It means someone, someone picks up a ball and, and starts to throw it against the wall. And, and you get the... I'll go careful now. You get the boom, 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 and you're in your house, and these kids outside are kicking a ball against your wall, and you wonder what you're watching tell you're trying to read, and boom, 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 boom. And in the end, you get, I've had enough of this. Get out there. Get off out of it. Go down the park and play. And that's just Wendy. That's what he does. He comes to bombard you. I want to say to you this morning, people sat in this room, people watching on the screen, if you're in a position this morning and you're feeling bombarded, you need praying for. And when people on the screen, we will pray for you at the end. This storm came from nowhere. I faced storms from nowhere. We have faced storms. Got up in the morning, no storm. By early evening, there's a storm kicked in. And you go, where did that come from? He wants to swamp you. Why? You see, very often we don't ask why in the right way. We go, why should this happen to me? I don't deserve this. Why, why should I be put in this? That's not the right why. The right why is this. There's a purpose coming that at this moment of time you may know nothing about but God on his agenda is going to deliver somebody else and use you to do it. He's going to use you to help somebody else in Jesus' name to come out of their predicament. The weirdest thing I have ever encouraged, well not ever, but certainly high up there is you can be in the middle of a storm yourself and God sends someone who rings the doorbell, knocks the door and says, can you help me? And inwards you're going, help you? <laughs> if you only knew what I was going through right now, I don't feel I can help anybody. can't help myself. And you go, come in. Come in. Tell me what the... And we'll pray for you. And I'll tell you it's powerful. 
I'm not putting it down. That is powerful. It's saying you matter more than my storm because the Lord of my storm will bring me through. Now, some of you don't believe me. What did Jesus do on the cross? He's in a storm. The most vicious storm that has ever been put on any human being. And the guy to the right or left of him, in fact, he's got one on that side and one on that side. And they both start out blaspheming Jesus. And through the course of that event, one of them changes. And in the midst of the storm... It's a, research it, it's the most beautiful picture of salvation. Yeah. The thief on the cross. Yeah. He admits he deserved to get what he was getting. The other guy is still blaspheming Jesus. So Jesus turns to him, which caused him great pain. And he simply says to Jesus, remember me? He didn't ask for anything else. He wasn't in a position to, I'm a thief, I'm a murderer, I'm getting what I deserved. But he said, Jesus, will you just remember me? Yes. Jesus said this, in his storm, right at the last moment of his life, he reached out to somebody else. He said, today, you will be with me in paradise I know where I'm going I'm crossing over to the other side what the Satan in cruc- getting me crucified thought was his plan it's not his plan my father had the plan before the foundation of the world I am simply being the servant obedient to follow that plan because it's going to bring billions of people into my father's kingdom What we go through isn't just about us. It's about other people. I like, I like this bit. Jesus is asleep in the, in the stern. I got the term right, in the stern of the boat. That's the back of the boat, all right, for the ignorant here. We fishermen know what we're talking about, all right. I've seen Bob. He's not, he's not, not in. I've, I've seen Bob out in his boat. Oh, yes, he is. Is he? Oh, oh I can talk about him. He's gone. <laughs> When Bob had his boat and I had my boat and Dave Good, I've seen Bob nearly go over the back of the boat. This is his boat. He was fiddling around with something and waves were going up. And, you know, I'm thinking, I'm gonna, well, I'm not going to go in after him. <laughs> I'll outfish him out, but I'm not going to go in after him if he goes in. He never did, but praise God. Okay. Jesus is asleep. In your storm, it will appear that Jesus is asleep. I've noticed in my storms, not always, but nearly always, God is very quiet 
at the start of that storm. In fact, I've also known I've had to go through the whole storm and he's still quiet. I've also known that at some point he has spoken to me in a storm. It's his prerogative because he's got a plan, a purpose for the storm. So in the middle of the storm, Jesus arose. They wake him up. I like this. He probably he's asleep on a like a pillow thing and on the stern. Probably got a crease mark across here for the pillow. You know, you know when you wake up unexpectedly. I do. Yesterday morning it happened to me. For two two nights now we've had the grandkids staying, the little ones. Half past five in the morning, <laughs> I've got this bouncing boy using our double bed with us both in it as a trampoline. I wake up not full of the Spirit of God. But knowing I've got to keep everything in check. In other words, let Wendy deal with it. We had a lay-in this morning. It was quarter past six. <laughs> Jesus immediately knew who and what was causing the storm. The disciples have got no idea. So he speaks to the wind. He recognizes you've got a wind problem. <coughs> he doesn't rebuke Satan. He speaks to the works of Satan. His disciples are looking on in fear. And what do we get? A great calm. Instantly. From a hurricane with what would probably have been six, eight, ten foot swells of waves coming at that boat, open boat. Instantly no wind, flat calm. Instantly. Great calm. The disciples are in awe. And they have a conversation towards the end there that says, who is this guy? Even the wind and the waves obey him? Even the wind and the waves obey him. He has total authority over things which, as a human being, are impossible to control. 
We can't control the wind today. We, we have to build our buildings windproof so the roof stays on. But we can't control the wind. But this man, this man just spoke words and instantly it's flat calm and there's no wind. So what does Jesus say and do? He rebukes his disciples. Why? And here's where the rubber hits the road. Because we play tennis. We play tennis with God, the Father. Very often we start praying, God, take away what I'm going through. Jesus, will you do so and so and so and so? Jesus says, you speak. You didn't have to wake me up. If I'm in the boat, you have my authority. You speak to the storm. That's what he expected from his disciples. You deal with it in my name. Stop trying to bat the ball back into my court because I have given you authority over all the works of the enemy. But while we are so focused on ourselves, so focused on what we're going through, we stop acting with that authority. Or we have a go at it. Oh, Jesus, no, I regret. I've done this many a time. I've got it off parrot fashion now. Rebuke it in Jesus' name. Just rebuke it in Jesus' name. Rebuke it. It's not going away. Just rebuke it in Jesus' name. Just rebuke it in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Just rebuke it in Jesus' name. Just, 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 well, it's a bit it's bad, isn't it? Oh, who can I talk to about it? Oh, well, if you only knew, brother, what I'm going through at the moment. Oh, it's bad. I've never had one like this. And I, and, 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 and I don't know how I'm going to cope. And I don't know, I don't know how I'm going to cope. Listen to what you're saying. Because from the heart, the mouth speaks. It betrays whether we're actually in faith or not. It's not a formula I'm giving you. You've got to discern each attack, who's behind it or not. It's not a in Jesus' name, light switch. You've got to be convinced you know who you're dealing with or what you're dealing with. Now, not everything that comes upon you is from Satan or his demonic forces. I personally believe very rarely does Satan ever come to me. I'm not big enough. He deals with bigger fish than me in God's kingdom. But I do know he has demonic forces. But I know this. In Jesus' name, when I put on the whole armor of God, not just the sword. I see a lot of Christians wielding the sword without the shield of faith and the helmet of 
breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, feet girded with the gospel or whatever it is. I can't remember. going off the top of my head now. You've got to get the whole armor on. In fact, nowhere in the Word can I find you take the armor off. I go to bed. Leave it there on the floor. Oh, that's better. Oh, God, just give me, give me a day of peace and quiet. And he says, son, you better get that back on again now. Because you don't know that I'm going to wake you up in the middle of the night because the phone's gone. Or there's something happened that you've got to deal with in my name. Don't you take that armor off. Because the enemy neither slumbers nor sleeps. But I've got a champion. I've got a champion that even when I get it wrong, he comes riding in, riding in. When the enemy comes in like a flood, and I don't care where you put the comma or what your interpretation is, he does come like a flood at times. The standard, God raises a standard against him, and the standard is Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, my Master, my Teacher. And I'm not going under. The Bible says I'm more than an overcomer. I'm going over. And there's going to be a welcome for me. There's going to be a welcome on the other shore eventually when it comes. Welcoming, good and faithful servant. Oh, I want to hear that. My mind says I don't deserve that. But God is greater than my heart. When my heart deceives me, when my heart tells me I'm rubbish, when the inner part of me says, you're you're useless, God's greater than that. He's greater than that. And I get all that other stuff. You see, I also fight against my flesh and blood. Or my flesh. Not everything's the devil. Very often it's my flesh. I just want my way. I do. I know you find that hard to believe. But I do. I'll stop there. I'll bring the rest of it maybe next week.